0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the FBC Huntsville Young Adult Podcast. I, I had I tripped over the name there, but I got it out. So I'm your host, John Lemons. I'm the minister to young adults here at First Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts who are here with me every month, Ethan McVeigh, Ellen Christian, Tiffany Fanning. How are you guys doing? Everybody having a good day today?
1: So far, so good.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. So let's jump into, I mean, we are we are getting ready to start the month of October, which along with that is we are entering into our New Testament reading, which I think a lot of people, if they're still with us, they've been just dying to get here because it's typically an, an, a little bit easier read than the Old Testament. But before we get there, it's the end of September. Tell me how how your month was, everybody. What was the highlight of your month?
1: so i went i well i my husband and i went to austin we flew to austin for the uh alabama texas game and uh that was fun it was actually kind of fun to uh fly post covid or or can we even say post covid are we post covid um yeah yeah um that's good so uh so that was different flying um and uh austin was uh I'll be real honest, their marketing department uh, does a really good job to market their city really well, because uh, I was a little underwhelmed when really? I got to Austin. Yeah. It wasn't... I don't know. I had like, it, built it up so high in my mind that it was some great, great, great city, and it just wasn't as great as I imagined.
0: So it wasn't like the number one city in America.
1: <laughs> no. And the was food it, was... We- good but it wasn't i mean i didn't it was not i that was not the best mexican food i'd ever had in my entire life that was the first time i had tex-mex so
0: nice uh what did you see i mean was it weird because that was where the keep such and such weird stickers all started was it started with keep austin weird so
1: um yes the fashion is weird the things that uh the ladies are wearing are not what i would wear but to each their own Um, even some of the stuff that the guys were wearing, I mean, it was real obvious, uh, not only that my crew that we were with was not from Texas, but that everybody that was in Alabama gear was also not from Texas. Nice. (laughs) We stood out like a sore thumb.
0: I've never been, but I've heard it's the least Texas, Texas city. So yeah,
1: that makes sense. I can see that.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm glad you had a, it, it ended up being a really good game. So... Congrats to you. It made a major your trip worth it, I think. Gosh, it really yes.
2: stressful game. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. It
1: was terrible. And then we You almost got Alabama. beat by a
0: guy you almost got beat by a guy <sighs> named Auburn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we were in the Alabama section and we had these two um sweet, sweet, sweet Texas fans. Um, that were sitting like in our earshot and they were loud and proud. And I thought if we lose and I have to listen to those guys, I will not be a very good Christ follower going down the stairs because they were loud and proud Uh, the whole game, the whole game.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad you are, you made it out. You're still a Christ follower. You're still (laughs) reading the Bible with us. (laughs) And allowing it to convict you, even of things like that. So, what about you, Tiffany? How was your How was your month?
3: It it went. It was not the best month of the year, which is funny because I that's feel like that's what you
0: say every time. I do. You,
3: know <laughs> you always what? go.
0: It went. It was.
3: I came. I saw it. I conquered. Sort of. Yes. Um, you know, twenty twenty was a hard year. I felt like twenty twenty one was also a really really hard year because we didn't know what we were doing. And twenty twenty two has been better, but it's also still been like. Super hard because we're maybe are post COVID, but we're also not in daycare is a little less strict than they used to be, but still pretty strict about what goes or doesn't go. And so I actually had COVID. I went camping for a Labor Day weekend and I'm a mom. So my kids eat and drink after me all the time. There's nothing that's my own. And so I think the baby picked up COVID from daycare and we started getting sick while we were camping. Um, and Then we decided to pack it up early. So the camping uh, we were doing was from Friday night through Monday morning because it was Labor Day weekend. You had to book three night stays to to get your site. And um, on Sunday, like at lunchtime, we noticed all these campers leaving. We're like, they know something that we don't know. So let's figure it out because they were just losing what they had paid as a deposit for their first for their last night of camping. And it's because there was a thunderstorm, like severe storms coming through and they were starting at like Sunday afternoon at like three or four and they weren't going to quit through like Wednesday. So we all decided to pack up and leave and on the car ride home, uh, it's like a three and a half hour car ride where we went, the baby and I started coughing and I was like, oh no. And then the next day I had a headache and I was like, oh no, but no one had fevers or anything else. So I sent the kids to school on Tuesday um, and then I was taking dinner to my mom, the cancer patient that following Friday, cause it was her last treatment. We had family in town. It's going to be a big deal. And then I was like, you know, my mom doesn't have an immune system. Let me check. I had COVID. Um, uh, my at-home test was positive in like the first minute and a half. It turned positive super oh, quick. Wow. I went to school. I picked up the kids. We did at-home tests. The baby also immediately turned positive. Um, Vera Lynn stayed at my in-laws for a week because then Jacob got COVID on Wednesday, he tested positive. So we were quarantined to our own house and I was still working full time. And I had the baby at home. Her second birthday, she had COVID. So I mean, like when I say my months went, it's usually because they're pretty crappy. They just go. Yes. They're like good times. Like Shelly Joe's ordination was great. Yeah, I'm so I was gonna say because you
0: had you had a highlight at the end of the month.
3: I did, yeah. So that was good. I got to do the benediction for Shelly Joe's ordination. I felt really special doing that for her. Um, I did give her a hard you called time. Called
0: me out during that.
3: I did call you out because I was hoping that at Kristen's ordination, when you gave the benediction, I could take like some super good notes on like how I should do it, and then. John was like, Hey, let's do our TV church ending. I'm like, well, that doesn't help me at all. I don't get to do that. Um, the Ashley Joe's ordination was really special. And I also gave her a hard time because in the order of worship, like on the back end, saying who everyone was, it was like, Melissa and Nolan, her closest friends. And then there is me a close friend. And I was like, I see how it is. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, I see how you do. But, um, you know, she's, like, been friends with them for forever, and I've only known her since 2020. But we really are close friends, so that's really nice.
0: So, Tiffany, you had some good personal news though at the end of the month.
3: I did, so I didn't want to toot my own horn. I thought about mentioning it, and I was like, no, I'm not going to mention it. Um, now that y'all are pressuring me, I was elected to be a deacon at church, which is very exciting. Um, so yes. that's cool. I'll be ordained sometime in November, which is funny that they pushed it back it was supposed to be later in the month of october but we're doing a big family farm cookout with a lot of people we, from the we church we literally
0: moved the date because of y'all i know because of that.
3: that's what jed told me because it would take yeah. so many people out because um yeah. my you know in-laws their sunday school class is coming and they're really large then my brother-in-law's class is coming you know it's it's a I don't want to offend anybody. It's like an okay size. And then our class, uh, mine and Jacob's, is pretty big, I think, for a young adult class. Um, so, so, yeah, they're like, it would take too many people out who couldn't then come to the ordination service. Yeah, So
0: it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, good for you. I'm going to, by, before this show is over, I'm going to call you Deke, just so you know, because uh, that is your new title. That's So uh, Ethan, give us your highlight for the month, bud.
2: Yeah, uh, probably my highlight was going to fall retreat with the students. So last year around this time, I had been at First Baptist for just a few weeks and um, Caroline and I caught COVID uh, and we missed fall retreat, which is a huge bummer. Um, uh, because we both love the students so much and it was like our first big thing with them. And, you know, for me, like I still got to go to our other youth events throughout the year, like spring camp. I got to go on both the mission trips this past summer, but for Caroline, like she loves the students and she teaches a Sunday morning Bible study and she really wanted to go to fall retreat because it's the only one that she has like enough vacation days to like go to. So... She was really bummed last year when we missed. and of course, the students were too. Uh, and so this year was my first experience at Fall Retreat. We had a big bonfire. We had a good speaker. We focused on how um, Jesus is the Word of God and like what that means. Um, and so it was a really fruitful time, like both spiritually, but it was also nice just to like get out into the middle of nowhere and see the stars at night. It was really pretty. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a really good time.
0: That's great. I forgot you missed the last one, so that's good. I'm glad you got to do that. My daughter did not get to go, so I guess this kind of spills into my highlight of the month. Um, so I got two, you know, two daughters, both in high school. One's a senior, one's a freshman. The senior didn't get to do fall retreat because she had a band competition, and uh, I'll be honest, I did not know bands had competitions until she started playing. But they do. That's they march for the football teams, but then they do performances with other bands and you know they get just like any other uh sport or club or whatever that you know judges are there and and you know give them points or whatever they got best in class or whatever uh for theirs last week yeah so it was it was good they've got one more coming up in october she also got named a national merit semifinalist which was awesome uh opens up a lot of doors and of course there's a couple more levels that come with that um you know, next one being national merit finalist, if she gets that and then national merit scholar. And, and that's, that's, like I said, it opens up some doors for college and stuff, which is great. So we're really excited and proud of her there. My other daughter uh, just jumping really both feet into high school and trying to get involved in the theater department there. That's always been her, her thrill here since we moved here is to, to get involved with theater and do local theater and and things like that. She's found a love for it. And she just got cast in one of the leading roles in the Christmas production coming up uh, at the end of the end of the fall, uh, right in the early part of December, which was really cool. We were excited for her about that too, because we were just hoping, you know, she'd get her foot in the door in uh, high school theater, but uh, she actually got a, a pretty big role. So personally, I mean, those are my highlights. I have zero personal highlights this month went as Tiff uh, well as Deke would say uh, this month went you know I'm a huge fantasy football player and my fantasy football teams are terrible I have two teams and they're both winless and I had to pull off a trade last night with Ellen's husband Kyle uh, to to have any sort of hope to redeem my season so we'll see how that pans out right now one of the best teams in the league is carolines which is ethan's wife's team so yeah. uh yeah so i gotta i gotta get up to par with with caroline we'll see how that works out but we're gonna move on into the rest of our program for today and we want to jump into uh really closing up the old testament because that's that's where we that's where we are we're fish, finishing it up this month getting ready to jump into the new testament But I want to ask you guys, first and foremost, uh, before we really jump into what we did this past month, let's just talk about it in general. And really, I want to know what you would say to someone who asked you, you know, why should I read the Old Testament? What benefit is it? So if someone were to ask you that question, how would you guys respond? What would be your, what value do you see in reading the Old Testament?
3: So way back when I would have said the Old Testament, like, take it or leave it. You only need the New Testament because you only need to meet Jesus and what he tells you because he's the way, the truth, truth, and the light. And the only way to get to God is through him. And that would have been like my one and done kind of like elevator pitch for Christianity, but going through the Old Testament from beginning to end twice now, two years in a row, I just, I learned more and more about God's character and who he truly is and then like the background teachings that jesus laid his foundation on the old testament is the foundation for christianity and you're really missing a whole lot of what is offered um, and what kind of education and background there is and you know um how the old testament says like take care of the foreigners when they come to your land and you know if they want to follow me treat them the same way as the israelite people and you know, um, take care of the poor and the orphans and the widows. Like there's a lot of caring in the old Testament. It's easy to jump over because, you know, we have books like judges. That's just like awful. Um, and then, uh, I don't, it just teaches you so much about who God is and what he says. And then you see little nugget trails of Jesus all throughout the old Testament, it's all about Mm -hmm. Jesus. And you wouldn't know that if you don't read it.
1: Mm -hmm. And
3: so I would uh, you know, measure it against I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. If I ever just like go into a tattoo parlor to do like a, like a speed sheet kind of like walk in tattoo, what would I get? i would get a Harry Potter tattoo. I've read all the books since they started coming out. I've read them every time a new book came out and every time a new movie came out, like I've read them all a bunch. Um, so it'd be like trying to jump into Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is the last book for those of you who don't know, without reading harry potter one through six you're gonna miss out on so much you don't know why harry was quote unquote chosen to be the savior of the wizarding world and like what the beef is with Voldemort, and how he got to horcruxes and how Godric gryffindor like plays a part in it so i mean like there's a nerd alert you just would miss a whole lot if you don't read the old testament
0: yeah uh ellen's googling horcrux right now by the way um (laughs)
1: you know i have that on my list to read i know you're not shocked oh yeah when when are you gonna
0: get to it in 2040
1: (laughs) uh no i have chronicles of narnia to get to and then i'm doing my series next year that'll be all
0: next year. glad you're getting to chronicles of narnia it was only written in the 50s
1: i have read it but not in like in the big thick book with all the books together i read them in pieces okay i want to read them all straight through
0: good Good. Well, Harry Potter's good. And I like that you use that example, Tiffany, because even, I've even used the example. Um, if you've read the books, you would know there's a certain character who's kind of shady and mysterious throughout. And then you learn his motivations in book seven. But you don't know that until you get there, and, and unless you read the whole story. And it's kind of the same with the Bible. Like, you, you can pick out passages of the Bible and be like, why does God do this? Or why does that happen? But when you really get the whole picture of the character of who God is, and you can compare it against other things, then you can see a little bit more clearly the way you can in Harry Potter. So I like that. I like that example, and that's a good one. Uh, what about uh, Ethan? What what would you say?
2: Yeah. Um, I have learned to love the Old Testament. I didn't always love the Old Testament. But what did that for me is just like, beginning to realize that it's all one story. Like, I guess when I was growing up, I would hear about, you hear about Noah, you hear sometimes about Moses or Abraham or King David, but it's like, how are they connected? Why why does it matter? Like, are they just the ancestors of Jesus? Um, And at best, I used to think the Old Testament was just like, one-off stories about God, yeah, you know, and they, some of them connected to the new Testament, but most of them were just like standalone, like nighttime stories almost. Um, but like reading through it as a whole, you begin to see how it's all just like one story. And there is this narrative that runs throughout. And I think that that makes it like both exciting and like personal, and so like it's exciting because like the Old Testament begins to display the character of God in these big and obvious ways. Like over and over as you're reading the individual stories, you're seeing God reveal himself like over and over in the same way. Right. And so then you just get this clear picture of like okay, this is who God is. God is just. He cares about justice. And like when people are unjust, sometimes in the Old Testament, like they die because of it, uh, because God cares about justice. But God is also merciful, like over and over. People sin, they rebel against him. They just like set up other idols in God's own temple. Right. Uh, But God like finds a way to like say, send a prophet and like tell them, hey, you're doing this wrong. And like bad things are going to happen if this continues. And like, I I, I care about you. Like, I don't want this to happen. I don't want you to suffer the consequences of this way of life. Uh, and so I think that's why it's exciting is you begin to see like one uniform picture of God throughout the whole Bible. Right. And then it's also like personal. Uh, I think the more you read the old Testament, the more you realize like, this could be me. Um, Like, it's really easy for us to rag on Israel and be like, y'all are so dumb. Like, why'd you set up this golden cow? Like, you just got to be idiots to, to be like this. It's so easy for us to do that. But I think, like, my reaction now after reading the Old Testament is like, as soon as we start to rag on them, we should really, like, look in a mirror and see how we're doing that exact same thing all the time. And the Old Testament is just, like, brutally honest about what sin does to us and how it hurts us so deeply, like, as individuals and as a community. And I think that's something our world is actually, like, longing to hear. Like, we don't want to just, like, cover up sin or say, oh, it's not that bad, or oh, uh, Jesus makes it all better. He does, but, like, we need to be honest about, like, how bad sin actually is. Um And I think the Old Testament does that really well. Like it talks about like some of David's sins, like with Bathsheba, like we read this really hard passage about he has consequences for that sin. There's another time he takes uh, a census and then God's like, okay, like you're going to have consequences for this. Um, And sometimes that comes directly from God. And sometimes it's just like there's consequences to sin. And that's part of the reason God wants to keep us away from it. So, uh, yeah, I think when you read it as a story, it becomes exciting because you see who God is and you see him being consistent. Uh, And then I think the story of the old Testament is just honest in a way that is like healing and helpful for us. Um, So I love the old Testament narrative, but I didn't always see it that way.
0: Yeah, no, well said, you know, it, it really the scriptures. I think we may have said this before. The scriptures are a mirror, inviting you to look at yourself and looking look at the what are the darkest parts of your own life or your own heart. And I've I know I've quoted my friend on here before who has said before that you know we tend to read the Old Testament and, and we think that we have all the virtues of Israel but none of their vices. And it's it's an invitation for you to consider your vices. So well said there. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yes, Un- go go, Ellen.
1: <laughs> Unmute. Oh, sorry,
0: uh.
1: my thing was not showing me that I was talking. Uh. Um, I, I mean, I'm just really just going to reiterate what Tiffany and Ethan said. Um, but I think you you owe yourself a chance to meet the God of the Old Testament. Mm. I mean, I, I I think you can't, I know, I feel like sometimes the Old Testament God is portrayed as mean or harsh or sitting on clouds with lightning bolts ready to strike people. Um, and I, I think you owe yourself a chance to to read that that's not true. And if that's all, if you've ever just heard what the God of the Old Testament is like, then I think you need to read it for yourself and figure out that he's not like that and far from it. You know, I, I, so I think that's important. Um, and like you, we have a whole book that gives us so many tangible pieces of God. And for us not to, to own that a little bit, um, I always think that's a disservice to our, our relationship with God. You know, like we we're given a chance to, to read that and I didn't always see it like that. Um, and I think sometimes that may Come with, um, as my relationship has deepened a little bit um, through this whole process over the past three years. I feel like I am miles and miles away from where I was in January of 2020 when I started this yes. thing. Yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, I can see just lots of places where I have been um, challenged, but I have seen lots of places where. I have um, kind of ch- chiseled at my heart a little bit, if you if you want to call it that, um, from where I was, uh, just kind of. Um, oh yeah, I know that's what you know. That's what that means. Or, I didn't know what that means. You know what I mean? So I think it was a, a good chance for me to kind of uh, wrestle with some of the things in, in my own heart that I, I didn't know about. And so I think we're we're given too much too much good tangible um, things in the Old Testament that um, when there is so much unknown about God that we need, we owe it to ourselves to, you know, capitalize on that a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I think Jesus echoes what you said. I mean, he says himself that if you've seen me, you've seen the father, Uh, I and the father are one. I mean, we're going to, we're going to come across a lot of these in the next month where he equates himself to what the people at the time know of, of God, you know, and, and we would, we would say God, the father now, but the God, that God, as he is portrayed in the old Testament, jesus comes along and says like hey i am i'm him paul would say he's the perfect image of god so yes i think if you you know again another thing we've referenced is the scary mary video that takes clips from mary poppins and makes it look like a horror movie so you can take pieces of anything and you as ellen has said you could take pieces of the old testament and have this vengeful god sitting on a cloud with lightning bolts or whatever but if you take the whole picture, you see really a, a God uh, revealing himself in the Old Testament in very much the same way God is revealed in the person of Jesus. Uh, yeah, he's He's righteous, and sometimes that righteousness leads to anger. Uh, but he's also very gracious and also very much in pursuit of these people that do not deserve his love. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's well said there. Uh, I would say, too, the value of the Old Testament is It was the only Bible Jesus had, you know, and it was the only Bible the early church had. And so we have to remember that as well, like these, you know, yes, the, you know, Paul and the disciples began writing letters and circulating letters uh, that began to uh, be recognized as being inspired. But it wasn't like, you know, when people first got those things that they were like, oh, this is a part of Scripture or whatever. It was something that just slowly Uh, In the same way, the Old Testament, you know, like nobody listened to Jeremiah until after what he said would happen came true. And then they were like, "Oh, oh, that was inspired. Okay, so then they began to see it as scriptural. Right. So the same kind of thing happens with the New Testament is, you know, you have these these first followers of Jesus who are telling their stories. And then as they begin to die, you know, they're writing them down or their followers are writing them down for them so that the message can live on. But all they had was the Old Testament as far as like a scripture. And most churches probably didn't even have a whole copy of what we would call the Old Testament. They probably had scrolls of very different books or whatever. But when they would preach, they would preach Jesus. And when they would preach Jesus, the scriptures that they would use were Old Testament scriptures. And so you have things like, I mean, you could talk about where Jesus says, uh, you know, no sign will be given to you, but the sign of Jonah. Well, when you look at Jonah, there's no indication when you just read Jonah at surface level that it has anything to do with a messianic prophecy. But Jesus will go on to say, you know, look into the scriptures like all the law and the prophets are about me. And so that's what the New Testament would do is they would they would look back at the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And then see where elements of the story of Jesus or the character of Jesus or whatever were present in the Old Testament. And that was how they preached and that was how they spread the message of the gospel in the first several decades of the church. So its value really is is there in that the early, I mean, our very forefathers like read these scriptures and saw Jesus in these scriptures and, and saw the value of them and how they proclaimed who Jesus was and how they really laid the groundwork for us being able to understand more and more about Jesus. So that would be my answer to that question. Uh, What value is there in the old Testament? Um, And I would just encourage people to take that same outlook with it. I mean, Paul also says, you know, there are shadows of Christ in the old Testament, but, but in, in Christ, like the, the full picture is revealed. So, Look at the Old Testament that way. If, if you know you gave up or you know, you're just going to skip reading the rest of whatever you have to read and jump into the New Testament with us, that's fine. But if you jump back into it next year, look at it from that perspective. Uh, I, I really encourage you to see it that way. So as we wrap up the Old Testament, though, uh, what insights did you guys see in, in our reading this month or are just insights from the Old Testament in general that you'd like to share with our listeners at home?
2: Yeah, uh, I am, I don't know, I just had this revelation reading scripture this year, and it's just like, I feel like the Old Testament ends so similar to how it starts. Yes. Like, in the very beginning, right, we have the first five books, which is the Torah, which is the law that Israel has, and I almost feel like, Uh, Jeremiah and Ezekiel especially are these prophets that Jeremiah is kind of half in Israel, half in exile, and Ezekiel is speaking like from the exile. Um, And I feel like they're just reminding people of the law. Like the people in exile didn't have their same priests, they didn't have their temples and their tabernacles, and so like how is God going to reintroduce himself to his people before he brings them back? And it's like, send prophets. And as we were reading Ezekiel, like in the big, at the end of last month, um, I was just struck by how similar it was to like Deuteronomy or Leviticus, especially the last parts of Ezekiel just sounded like a lot to me, it sounded a lot like, here's what you need to be doing when you get back into the land. This is how you need to build the temple. There were instructions given for the first temple, and now, like, we have more instructions. Um, And so it echoes a lot of the beginning. But then also, like, when we get to Ezra and Nehemiah, it's a very different entrance back into the land. Instead of Joshua, where they're going back in, like, conquering and killing all these outside people, uh, they're entering back into the land and under the rule of an outside people, And there's already these outside people, some intermarried Jews that are living in the land and they have to learn to live alongside them. Um, Some of those people like want to worship in the temple and want to learn how to do that. Others um, are their opponents and are against them, don't even want them to build the temple. Um, And so in a lot of ways, like it's very similar to Joshua and to Exodus, like in Exodus, as they are leaving Egypt, there's a, a group of Egyptians that like joins them and like becomes part of Israel. And so in the same way, like the Lord is still blessing all the nations through Israel, because now as they're coming back into their land and rebuilding the temple, like the nations are already there in Israel. Like Israel doesn't have to go out to find the nations like they're there and they're being blessed. They're learning about the Lord Um and so I think that's really exciting. And I also think like when we think of the two similarities between the end and the beginning, it just reminded me of like, if this is their big redo. This is their, their mulligan. Yep. This is their clean slate. Like however you want to say it. Like, it's a reboot. Yeah. It, I think in a lot of ways, like the Lord is being intentional about how he's reintroducing them to the land so that he can say to them, this is your fresh start. Like all that sin that caused the exile, it's gone. I've forgiven it. And you are my people again. And here you are in the land. And so the question that has been actually heavy on me this week is like, what is Israel going to do with that? And like, I was talking to Caroline about this the other night and like, got really emotional and cried because I was like, what is Israel going to do? Like last time we were here in the land and like, they screwed it up. Mm -hmm. They sinned. They continued to like rebel against God. Their Kings didn't help them. They didn't listen to their prophets and they ended up in exile. And so like, what is keeping them from that exact same situation happening? Um, And I think that is part of the question that we're supposed to be left with when we leave the Old Testament is like, there is this fresh start. There is all this hope and it's really exciting. But at the same time, it's like, can, can they do anything with it? And the the answer is no,
0: because you get to the, you get to the New Testament and where are they? They're under the boot of another imperial ruler, which is, just the latest one that come along because you from you get from Malachi to Jesus and there's actually about three empires that come along and yeah. rule over Israel at some point in time. And yeah, it's very cyclical. It, you, we have said before you have to understand the exile if you're going to you have to understand how big a deal that is because it is the undoing of the Exodus. And really, it is all the Genesis story, the creation story and the fall told again just in a different way but it all is a very repetitive pattern that that echoes that is a reboot or whatever of the fall of adam and eve and their exile from the garden and then god does something to kind of call people back to himself i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's the old testament story over and over and over and i think part of its repetitiveness is trying to get us to see that that it doesn't matter if we turn to priests. It doesn't matter if we turn to kings. It doesn't matter if we turn to prophets. We're still yeah. not going to get it right. We need something else to deliver us. So very, very well said. And
2: and one last thing is like, I think that kind of like hoping for that leader is part, was part of their beginning and is part of like what is happening here too. So it's setting us up to like hope for a Jesus. Absolutely. But It's that like when they first got in the land, they were like, hey, we need a king. Hey, we need we need a a Moses or someone to go up in front of God for us and talk to God for us. So we need this person, right, to connect us to the Lord or to lead us back to the Lord. Um, And now that they're back in the land, they still have some of those desires, I think, and and expectations. And we're going to read about some of that uh, over the next few months, too.
0: Yep. Uh, well, well said, everything there. I really, uh, really agree with you on CIA. So, Ellen, top what Ethan said. <laughs>
1: uh, hmm. Well, from one seminary person to a non seminary person. <laughs> um, no, I, let me tell you, just the last little bit, it's like a roller coaster. Uh, going through the last little bit of the Old Testament, um, to me, it's like you're you're going uphill, you know. And uh, I always can get to if I can get to Daniel, which the first part of Daniel is not crazy. The last part of Daniel is uh, a little tricky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. To put that. Um, the then like you kind of get through another prophet, and then you get into Esther, and I feel like Esther is such a. Like if I was running a marathon, I would walk a good majority of it and then run for like a mile. And I feel like Esther is your, your run. Well, my run. Uh, it might be somebody else's walk, but it is a little breath of fresh air, a little bit because it's such a, it's such a story that makes you go, hmm, where's God? You you f- you have to be like, where where is he? Where is he in all this? Because you're seeing people. Um do things and not necessarily God. is God even He's not mentioned. I don't even think he's not mentioned. I don't think he's mentioned. Yeah. So I don't even yeah, so I think that's such a um Esther is such a a bra uh, a book that you don't even realize um when you're when you're reading through it. I think it just kinda you're like, oh. And it's a
0: messianic like shadow. Going on?
1: Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it's one of my favorites, and I know it's it's like the little landmark for me. If I can get to Esther, I can get through the rest of the Old Testament. <laughs> I mean, I know you're just right there, but yeah. um, it's like your prize, you know, like kind of like your prize a little bit, um, your your breath of fresh air. So, uh, but the prophets are hard. They are. To, I mean, sometimes I almost feel like going through this third time. Like they're sometimes harder than Deuteronomy and Leviticus and. First and Second Kings, in in a way, because you're you're reading some of this stuff and you're like, this is weird, um, it, you know, especially when you kind of read Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they're trippy. Yeah, the Daniel, yeah. the end of Daniel, you're just like, oh, you start out so normal and so easy to follow, and then the end of it, you're like, what is this? <laughs> so that's my, um, that's just my spill. Esther's a good book, and if you, you know, don't think God is ever present that he is working through events and people and you may not even know it till years later yeah
0: that's very good i like that esther's a great story and it is like i said th- that's a great example of what i talked about a few minutes ago the the you know looking at the stories of the old testament and seeing jesus it's very much a messianic story and it's very much the, the kind of role that jesus plays uh in some sense or another so uh very well said and discussed and brought up you did well so
3: I don't know how I can top those two. Um, so I was going to talk about like the Old Testament God getting a bad reputation, but I feel like we've already kind of hit on that. And that seems to be very true. Maybe like a well understood. Oh, sorry. I like hit my microphone and like a very well understood concept, you know, across everyone's um, probably opinions or what they were taught. Um, I do feel like he doesn't get enough credit for, how great his master plan is outside of the christian faith like he had a plan from the beginning like there always was an end game in sight for him it's not like he's making it up as he goes he always comes through and he told he keeps his promises like one thing that i saw in the old testament was you know oh he's slow to anger and it felt like he's so quick to anger sometimes though but and i know we've discussed this before But like he gave them six generations, you know, 400 years or whatever to turn from their ways and then um, did the punishment. So he really is slow to anger. And um, something that's come to my awareness, I guess, recently is based on like other religions. So Dick Steinberg came and taught in our Sunday school class this past um, Sunday. And he grew up in the Jewish faith and he went to a camp and was um brought to jesus and he's been a, a follower of christ since his mid to late teen years i guess i would love to get more of his backstory because like when i was growing up god was like somebody you couldn't reach mm-hmm. and i think that's something that we take for granted that's displayed over and over again in the old testament is that normal people normal people didn't just get to go into the holy of holies and they didn't just get to go to god with their issues and we see that some normal people like moses before you know the priesthood was established he got to go to god and adam and eve obviously had a direct connection to god but that gets lost somewhere and not everyone gets that direct connection and so i guess it's actually something to look forward to in the new the new testament is that that barrier gets removed and i have a sister-in-law who um was of the catholic faith and she converted to be a baptist once she uh, married my brother-in-law and she's like i didn't know that people could have such a close relationship to god directly without like having to go through the the priest at the church and dick steinberg had said the same thing and so i think that's really cool we saw it where there was a one-on-one relationship Um, And earlier in the Old Testament, it got lost. You had to go through, you know, the priesthood um, people to make your sacrifices to help make you clean again. And um, now we're going to go back to a direct relationship with God. And it's really close and really
0: cool. Yeah, and we do that because Jesus meets all those requirements, because I think we can see very clearly. Uh, we're not going to be able to, as as Ethan said, it's very repetitive, and and we just kind of repeat our part in that story over and over again. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I would say, you know, there are three different ways to approach reading the Bible, and I think the first one is the devotional way. Uh, this is kind of the way that we learn when we're growing up. It's it's looking to the Bible for inspiration, and I think. Maybe a microcosm of this is found in Jeremiah 29.11, and we've already talked about this on the program before, but I think most of us approach the Bible the way that we approach Jeremiah 29.11, and I think that's probably why we don't stick out in reading it, because we... You know, we'll see or we'll hear Jeremiah twenty twenty nine eleven somewhere, and we we rip it out of its context, given it to a people who have just started being in exile, and then we use it to say like, oh, I graduated college, and God knows the plans He has for me, and I'm going to be rich, and I'm going to be successful, or whatever. And I think this is our grave mistake whenever we read Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and we need to realize it's also our grave mistake when we read the Bible. We look at Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and we misinterpret it. We 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 use it to say that we expect life to be all roses. And we do the same with the Bible. We think that it's going to be this inspirational and uplifting and sort of la-la land kind of view of life. And then we get into the pages of the Bible and it's disorienting and it's disrupting and it's disillusioning. And it kind of upends us because it's not all pretty and it's not all roses. And so we we get into it and we realize that you know, in reading the pages of this book, uh, sometimes it's like being in captivity for the next 70 years, like Jeremiah says to the people. And because we don't know, we, we do that because we don't know what's in the next verse. So so then we, we'll stop reading and we don't read on to hear that there's a plan and it's a plan for shalom and it's a plan for restoration. And that's the beauty and the power of Jeremiah 29. And it comes alive when you read. Twenty nine eleven, but you read it also with verse ten, and then verse eleven. The beauty and the power of the Bible also comes alive when you you read all the you know crap or the mess of stuff, but then you don't stop, and then you you know you read the next verse, you read the whole context of the whole story. So, you know, I think we that is the mistake we make. There's a place for devotional reading of the Bible. There's a place for going to the Bible and and wanting it to be inspiring and uplifting, but it's ultimately not for that. The problem is most of us aren't taught how to read it differently. So we do something like this when we try to read the Bible through. And like I said before, like we expect every day and every passage is going to feel like a devotional and it's just not, there are a lot of days that are not uplifting or inspirational as we've all said before. So, so that's one way that I know. I think a second way to read the Bible is to read it, um, critically, uh, in, in, um, critically in like the the actual definition of the word. So this is kind of what like Ethan and I will learn in school. And there are some Bible study methods that do this as well. So like your, your KR author uh, methods, your Bible study fellowships or whatever. Um, this is kind of the next level up from devotional reading, like college students and young adults will really get into this sometimes because, you know, they haven't been exposed to it before and they feel like, you know, well, hey, this is, this is doing really in-depth Bible study. This is do an exegetical or expository style reading. And, and so you.
1: So is this like line by line? Is that what you're, you're going to have to back it up. Critical, I don't know Yeah. Critical
0: you- is like, that's one approach of critical. It's, it's investigating the pieces and the parts of scripture, breaking down the words. Yeah. kind of going line by line at the very highest levels of a critical approach. When you get into like the scholarly levels, that's getting into who wrote what and does the little literary style in one letter match the literary style in the other. And if not, are they both actually written by Paul or whatever? So like that's the scholarly level, but I think like the kind of beginner level of a critical approach is like, let's put it under a microscope and kind of investigate every little detail. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Like why did they choose this word over this
0: word? Yeah. Okay. And so there's a place for that too, but it's not the end all be all approach to Bible study. Um, this is the criticism that you know jesus kind of gives to the pharisees you know and we'll read this next month but he says you know you search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have life and then he he criticizes them for missing that the scriptures are about him because they've they've so put it under a microscope that they kind of missed they they can't i think i've said before there's two wrong ways to read a book and one is to hold it too far away one's to hold it too close and and doing this critical approach you can hold it so close that you kind of miss what's going on around it. So that's the danger I think. There's a place for devotional style reading, there's a place for crit- critical style reading, but they're not the only methods and they're not all encompassing and one's not better than the other. They each have their strengths but they each also have their weaknesses. And I think the third method and this is something that I that I've come to late in life, I think I think Ethan kind of alluded to this when when he shared what he just shared but but it's sort of a narrative style reading and and Tiffany honestly you alluded to this too when you when you kind of compared it to Harry Potter and this is where you would read the book read the bible like you would read a novel and and you begin to pick up themes or motifs or threads that run throughout the story Ellen, this is what you're experiencing as you are reading and you're seeing a consistent theme of uncomfortableness. You've talked about that almost every episode. So, you know, I've mentioned before, there's a thread of repentance that I've seen throughout um, scripture. And and so that's, that's a narrative approach. And this style of reading the scripture does what I've been saying all year. It just, it forces you to just let it sit with you and you dwell on the things you notice. You dwell on the things that bother you. And this is where like repetitive readings, like reading the Bible again, year after year after year, things will begin to pop out at you. And here's like so one thing that I noticed this time, um, the very beginning of the Old Testament kind of establishes this this. Kind of disturbing story, it's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we all know this because it's a favorite passage for for Bible study teachers or preachers or whatever to rail about homosexuality or whatever, but it's it's not really just that. It's it's really about the depravity of humanity in general. And so if you remember the story, Abraham pleads for the city, there's nobody righteous found, and the town comes to Lot's door and they ask for the men inside, and Lot instead offers his daughters, right? So he offers to cast them out and to leave them for dead it doesn't happen but he offers and so the point is sort of like let like let's see how depraved humanity is like this is where humanity has gotten there's nobody righteous in this city and you take that and you jump forward to judges and in judges we all talked about how bad judges is you you find towards the end of judges essentially the same story but this time it's with a levite who's a pri- a priest right and it's with his concubine and as, as Judges begins to tell that story, the first verse of that story is, in those days, Israel had no king. And then the story continues, and it's very parallel to Sodom and Gomorrah's story, but this time he does give the woman away, and this time she's killed. So he does cast her out, and he does leave her for dead. And the final verse of Judges is, in those days, Israel had no king, so everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So so the point is this, that Israel has now become no better than Sodom and Gomorrah, even the priests are depraved. Uh, they need a king, so the story emphasizes even uh, that that uh, the the author of of Judges wants you to see and wants you to long for a king, someone who's going to make this right, because he wants you to see how how bad it's become. Uh, it also emphasizes uh, where the concubine is from; she's from Bethlehem, and the opening of the next book of the Bible is going to be Ruth, which is a contrast to Judges. But it also emphasizes that they were from. Bethlehem. So so then you read on in Ruth and you see that the greatest king, uh, the very thing that, again, the author of Judges wants us to kind of long for and wants us to see that Israel needs, he's going to come from Ruth's line. He's going to come from Bethlehem. But when we consider his life, like what's his greatest failure? It's it's Bathsheba. So he, he lusts. He kind of lets his passions get the best of him, and it results in him doing what? He casts a man out kind of leaves him off on his own and leaves him for dead. He does that with, with Uriah. So now you have the greatest King, but he's kind of become the same thing that the people of uh, judges and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah have become. And then you get into the prophets and the main criticism, one of the main criticisms is of the prophets is that Israel has become no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. So you have like Isaiah says, uh, Isaiah one here, he says, unless the Lord almighty, has left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, and listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. So he's saying you, he's saying you are the people of Sodom. You are the people of Gomorrah. And he says, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. We read on into Jeremiah. Um, and uh, Jeremiah says among the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen something horrible. They commit adultery and live a lie. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that not one of them turns from their wickedness. They are all like Sodom to me. The people of Jerusalem are Gomorrah. That's Jeremiah quoting the Lord. So um, you go from there, you go to Ezekiel, Lamentations, Amos, they all compare or they all make references to this problem that the people of God are just like the people that are, that live without God. They're no better. So like, as, as Ethan said earlier, like, it just kind of leaves you sitting there. Like, well, where do we have a hope then? And eventually if we follow the storyline of the Bible, if we read it, like we read a narrative, we'll see a coming King. We'll see a coming prophet. We'll see a coming priest who is going to be the deliverer. But here's the interesting part. Like, what do we do with him? We cast him outside at his birth and we leave him for dead at the cross, like his disciples, even like literally abandoned him while he's there. So that, that now becomes like what the gospel is. And, and and if you want to now approach it devotionally, you can, you can, you can now say, you know, Hey, have you ever felt cast out or Hey, have you ever felt left for dead? So has Jesus. And he identifies with you just like he identifies with the people in those stories But guess what? It didn't defeat him. And his victory is now in resurrection. And that can be your victory too. And that's why the resurrection now becomes so important because this thing that has shown just how bad we are doesn't matter if we have God or not. Doesn't matter if we're a priest or not. Doesn't matter if we have a king or not. We still are just as depraved as anybody else. But Jesus submits himself to that and overcomes it in resurrection. And that victory of his could be yours too. And that is why this is the good news. And this is in a nutshell, like an example of reading the Bible narratively. So that's kind of what I would share for my um, insight on the old Testament, you know, and and how to approach the Bible and how to read the Bible. Um, If you do it again, try to learn, Seeing it this way, like I said, there's a place for devotional reading, there's a place for critical reading, but it's not the only approaches to the Bible. So I would encourage you to uh, to look at those those uh, this other method, this method of narrative, and and honestly, the Bible Project is really helpful with this. Um, I think it really helps people see this way, and and there's a video that really sums up the Old Testament uh, and and really kind of where it leaves you as a reader. Um, that I'll try to find and throw into the show show notes but any any last remarks or questions before we move on all right well we're going to jump into the close of our show then and uh, we're going to look ahead a little bit then the new testament is starting and we, we're recording this on september 29th so october 1st which is saturday uh, the new testament will start so if you've been if you kind of bailed out, you, you started reading with us, but like now you're just like, nah, that's not my, not my thing, or, or you just got discouraged or whatever. Jump back in with us, read the New Testament through with us starting okay. October first. We'd love to have you uh, join us. Well, I'll throw a link to that in the show notes so that you could uh, join along with us. You can join our group me as well and read it together with us in community. That's the way the Bible's meant to be read. So that's my final words or thoughts uh, I'll turn it over to the rest of you Ellen I don't think we had any Q&A this month however okay <laughs>
1: no I mean like I where do you even begin to ask the questions in some profits like what you're you come out of that and you're just like what what did I just read how do I sum that up in a question you know what I mean like I just don't even know that you can get as specific as to asking one little question so I don't think not having a and a um, for this week is, I mean, for this month is is bad because it you you come out of this or the Old Testament and sometimes you're just like what did I just read especially if it's your first time. Uh, I did that. Yeah. Um. What 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 was that? But you valued for so. you
0: you got valued from from pushing through and then reading it yes. again and then reading it again
1: mm-hmm. and. You you want to talk about being on this side of the Old Testament and this side of the New Testament, having both of those pe- pieces in hand? You you know it happens. Yeah. So it's like you have to read because you just need to know how it all starts laying back out. Like I, I think it, I don't know. It is you you do come out of there just kind of like uh, oh, okay, I know it. Ha-, you know I know the hope of going into the New Testament so. Yeah it is an interesting spot to be at. If you want to, if I want to pull back from my Esther, it's such a time as yeah. this, you know, like seeing it on this side of what in 2022. So the problem is
3: the last book of the Bible revelation. Like we really, I don't want to say we could do without that book. That's how I used to put about the old Testament. My heart has been changed, but I mean, to be honest, um, the book of Revelation just is you want know, to we'll talk about trippy and difficult to understand. It's like going back and rereading the prophets um, of the Old Testament all at once, because there's so much imagery. It's so much like what is what is hyperbole just to explain it the best he could or what is literal? And um, oh, gosh, what were the left behind series? That's like my best. Mm understanding of the books that revelate or the book of revelation is those uh fictional christian books
0: i have some things to say about that that i'll leave for our show on revelation uh so we'll we'll, we'll put those on the shelf like they're right there on the shelf we'll get to them we'll get to them when we get there what, what other closing thoughts do you have tiffany i know you had something else uh that you were looking forward to with the new testament
3: I don't remember, and I closed my show notes. Oh,
0: you said uh, women getting stuff done is what you wrote. Oh, there. that's right. Oh, yeah. my
3: gosh. How could I be- how could I forget that? It's like the shift in value from the Old Testament to the New Testament is like the women getting stuff done in the New Testament. They are always faithful to Jesus. They're in the picture. They um, they usually get what they ask of Jesus, um, even if it's not like a direct ask, but the woman who pled for like – many years she just she has such faith she just touches the hem of Jesus
2: mm-hmm.
3: jesus's garment and she's healed. There's the women at the well. Um you know there's the women who um Mary Magdalene and whoever else is with her like they are the first to go to the tomb and um they get to share the news that Jesus is gone even though they don't really understand what that means yet. I mean it's just wow. I mean you have the businesswoman Lydia there's just women taking down names and kick and booty in <laughs> the New Testament they do a little
0: bit of that in the Old Testament too but it does seem to be a lot more uh, there's more I guess proliferated uh, uh, well it's more of evident
3: it. and then oh gosh I think it's Paul you know writes letters and it's like he addresses them to women and like listen to this woman it's like women have more authority and they're given more respect I mean it's still old time so it's
2: not great but yeah it's better.
0: Awesome. Ethan, final thoughts?
2: Yeah. Um, just as you're going into the New Testament, I think like the question for each of us is like, who is Jesus? Like, who is he really? He's going to show up and he's going to start making some wild claims, like a bonkers stuff. Um, and it's like, okay, let's, I mean, he challenges all of us to like examine his character, his life, and to examine the scriptures and decide, like, is he being real or is he just faking? Uh, And so I think, like, we all also have our own expectations and wishes for, like, what we want God to be like. Um, And the Jews had their own expectations and wishes for what this Savior was going to be like. And so, Jesus is going to challenge some of our expectations, but he's just going to be honest about who he is. And so, like, I think that's the big question for the next month is like, who is this Jesus? And like, what is he claiming to be? Who is he claiming to be?
0: Yeah.
2: And then also, like, just prepare yourselves for a shift in genre. Uh, We've been in like kind of a narrative style for a long time, kind of a history um, where a lot of it is like, I am one person and I'm telling you the story of my life and uh, or it's I'm one person and I'm collecting all the lives of all these kings um, and when we hop into especially like the New Testament letters eventually um, that's going to be a big shift and even the Gospels were written as like a really long letter right. to a church so that they could have an account of all the things that happened in Jesus' right. life um, and so Uh, my biggest tip for reading letters is know that a letter is only half of a conversation. uh, And that's going to be more important with like the Corinthians and some of those letters than it is with the gospels. Um, But yeah, it just means that if you have a study Bible, maybe reading some of that introduction section or something like that will be super helpful because some historians and theologians have helped us piece together the other half of, um, of the conversation. Uh, so be excited uh, and be uh, curious about Jesus.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, it's really fun. Uh, uh, we're going to read it chronologically so that the gospels are going to be pieced up uh, and kind of put together chronologically. So you're going to get to jo- jump back and forth and you get to see like different ways that they tell different aspects, which is, again, if if you were to ask me, you know, something that I saw yesterday and let's say Tiffany was there. We'd both have, we'd tell the same story, but we'd have different details that we would tell. So you're going to get to see that in the Gospels. You also get to see the letters of Paul and in Acts uh, interspersed in the book of Acts, which is a really fun way. And and on the heels of what you said about reading the letters, Ethan, I would just really encourage you not to read them just critically. I think that is the way we approach them. Uh, don't, don't pick them apart. They're, they're meant to be written or they're meant to be read in one sitting. So, so try that when we get there. I think it'll have a little bit more meaning for you. But that's going to do it for this episode of Black, White, and Red All Over. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a like or a share so that other people can find us too. And leave a comment or let us know what you liked or where we were wrong or whatever. Uh, as we said before, we're starting the New Testament beginning on October 1st so we'll post some links in the show notes to tag along on that ride with us and if you're listening to this on October 15th or October 31st or whatever it's not too late to jump in and join us there so look for those links join our group me and let's read through the new testament together I want to again thank Ellen I want to thank Ethan and I want to thank Deek for joining us We'll be back again next month. And next month, we're going to have a special guest. Ethan won't be here with us, but we'll, got, we'll have a guest. and It'll be fun. So join us for that. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already so that you don't miss that episode or any future ones. With all that said, I want to say thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.